Uh, we are continuing our series today called The Shepherd. The Shepherd. And we're looking at Psalms chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. Psalms 23, verses 1 through 6. And we're talking about really one of the most beautiful descriptions in all of the Bible as Jesus as our shepherd. And so I wanted to kind of read it to you the way I learned it. I learned it out of the New King James Version. And so let me just read that verses 1 through 6 for you really quick. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You don't just stop there. What does he do? You anoint my head with oil. My cup, what? Runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can I get a good amen for the reading of the word today? Amen. You know, it's interesting, uh, in, in doing some research, uh, found kind of a, a modern version of Psalms 23, but it's actually called, The Clock is My Dictator. Amen? So let me just read that to you, and here's what I want you to do. While I'm reading that, I want to see if you can relate to this. I want to see if you can relate. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done. For my ideal is with me. Deadlines and need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressures shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Let me ask you a question. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that? Is, is, is that normal living? Let me ask it this way. How do you know the difference between needing to slow down and rest or just simply looking at your life saying, man, this is just what life is. This is how it is. This is how we go. This is what we do. How do you know the difference? And so that's what I want to talk about today. How do we find rest for our bodies, our minds, our spirits? So, Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being here today. God, thank you for speaking into our hearts and our lives. Help us to hear from you in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said amen. Amen. Now, if you were here last week, we started talking about the different metaphors that are found in the Scripture. There's several of them. There's a metaphor of Jesus and His people, and it recognizes that we're the family of God. We're all a big family. There's another metaphor that says that we're the body of Christ. Like everybody has a part. Everybody has something you're called to do. You're not meant just to just kind of sit back and just do life and nothing. You're, you have a part to play in this thing called life. But then there's also another metaphor that relates to Jesus as the shepherd and we are the sheep. And so last week we started talking about the different characteristics of sheep. And we found out that... 
the physical sheep is a lot like us, amen? And so that's why we're called sheep. Over 200 times in the Bible, God calls us sheep. Now, here's kind of another thing that I want to point out to you that you really need to understand about sheep, and that is that sheep struggle to rest. They struggle to rest. In other words, for a sheep to be able to rest and relax, there has to be no predators around, no tension in the flock, no bugs in the air, no hunger in their bellies. I mean, everything has to be perfect for the sheep to be able to completely rest and get refreshed. But how many of you know that out of all of these things that have to happen, the sheep can do very little to make that happen. So they have to depend on a shepherd. So the fact of the matter is that without the shepherd, they can't rest. And I would kind of piggyback on that and say without a shepherd, neither can we. We can't rest. I mean, think about your life. Think about what you're doing right now. I mean, we work hard, right? Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I work hard. Come on, turn to the one you didn't want to talk to and say, hashtag work harder. Amen? You need to work harder. We work hard, right? I mean, there's money to be made. There's degrees to be earned. There's ladders to be climbed. We, we have this cliche that says busyness is next to godliness. And so we, we work all the time. Matter of fact, in the 1900s, it said that the average American slept nine hours a night. Come on, think about that. Nine hours a night, the average American slept. And yet, when you fast forward to today, the average American sleeps less than six hours a night. And we're proud of it, right? Like, I don't need all that rest. But here's the thing you got to understand. We're tired because of it. We're tired in our minds. Our minds are tired. Our bodies are tired. Our souls are tired. Max Lucado made this statement. He said, we are so busy making a living, we have no time to ponder the meaning of living. Let me say that again. We're so busy making a living, we have no time to ponder the meaning of living. Now let me ask you a question. Is that the kind of life that God wants us to live? Well, in order to answer that, remember we're looking at the Psalms, Psalms 23, and we're taking it line by line, verse by verse, if you will. So let's look at verse 2 today. And there's a couple things I want to point out to you. It said, he makes me to do what? Lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. So I've got green pastures and I've got still waters. Let me ask you something. Does that sound like a hectic life to you? Does that sound like you're stressed to the max, you're burdened down, and all of that? Absolutely not. So what does that have to do with us? What is lying down in green pastures and, and, and kind of walking and being led beside the still waters? It actually represents two different areas in our lives. Lying down is significant to rest. Still waters is significant to refreshment. So here's what you need to understand. For a sheep to rest... Green pastures and still waters, I mean, man, it doesn't get any better than that. And so David's point in all of this is that God is interested in you being restful and refreshed. If you don't hear anything else today I'm going to say to you, I want you to hear this. God wants you to be restful and refreshed, but it has to be a balance. 
Like, I ain't going to do nothing. The pastor said, rest and refresh. I'm going to sit back in my recliner all day. Listen, the Bible also says if you don't work, you don't eat, yo. Amen. So there are times in your life where you got to roll up your sleeves. You got to get dirty. You got to work. But it needs to be balanced by times where you rest, where you get refreshed in your body, in your soul, in your mind. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He didn't say, I've come so you could be burdened down and stressed to the max all the time. So the question is, how do we rest? How do you rest? You know, I really thought that when, when you know, and, and unfortunately COVID, we, we all know the, the, the deadliness of that and, and the seriousness of that. But I really thought when, when that took place, we would be forced to really spend more time with our families, you know, more time at home. Not so much forced, but you understand what I'm saying. You'd spend more time with God, more time in His presence, more time in His Word. But here's what happened. We didn't spend more time with God. We didn't spend more time in His Word. We really didn't spend more time with our families. What do we spend more time doing? On the screens. On the Internet. It's like, I got nothing to do. Let me check out Facebook. Let me check out social media. Let me check. And so our souls got anxious. Our minds got anxious. But yet God comes in and says, hey, the Lord is my shepherd, so I need to rest. How do I do that? Let me give you a couple ways on how we can rest. Number one is you have to realize how much God loves you. Realize how much God loves you. One of the reasons why we are so anxious in our souls, we're so anxious in our bodies, is because we have confused our work with our worth. Let me say that again. We have confused our work with our worth. And so we've bought into this myth that confuses that what I do is related to who I am. And how many of you know that that affects you not in a good way? Because the Bible says that, that your worth, who you are, has absolutely nothing to do with your work. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that what you do for a living is not important. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, you know, that, that you shouldn't want to have accomplishments and the things you're doing aren't meaningful. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that who you are as a person, your worth, has nothing to do with, who you, with, with what you do for a living. So again, you have to understand, God created you, He made you, He knit you together in your mother's womb, He has blessed you, He has put you right here for this time and season that you're living in. And listen, every single one of us, we are here for three things. We're here for a reason, a season, and a soul. Come on, somebody. We're here for a reason, a season, and a soul. That's why we're here. But we get so consumed... Because someone at some point in time said, you're not worthy, and you're still connected to your past, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. And so now we said, you know what, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. And so you're working your fingers to the bone trying to prove to somebody else that you're successful. Trying to prove to somebody else that you matter. But here's the thing you have to understand. The antidote to that kind of a mindset is you have to place your identity in what God says about you. And what does he say about you? Let's look at James 1.18. God decided to give us life through the word of truth. So we might be what? What does it say? The most important of all things he has made. 
Can I say something? And I believe some of you really need to internalize this. You are already the most important part of God's creation. What do you got to prove? And who are you trying to prove it to? If you're already the most important part of God's creation, what do I need to prove to you that I have worth, that I have value? I'm already important to God. How important am I to God? Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Look at the birds in the air, man. Consider the birds flying around. Your heavenly Father feeds them, and you are far more valuable to Him than they are. Turn to somebody and say, you're loved. You're loved. Let me ask you a question real quick, guys. How many of you guys remember the first time you fell in love? Mm. If it's your spouse, just lean over and just kind of rub her on the shoulders, baby. Yeah, there it is. So anyway, I remember the first time I fell in love. I wasn't even a teenager, amen? Young lady by the name of Elizabeth Pope. Come on, somebody. Dirty blonde hair. Man, I used to sit in school with an ink pen and write her name on my hand, on my arm. Come on, has anybody ever been there before? Come on, you know you're lying in the church. Amen. You used to write the name on my arm. On my, and then I realized I didn't like her, so then it was hard to get it off. But anyway, listen, you know how much God loves you? Watch this, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16. This is what God says. I have what? Engraved you. On the palm of my hands. You know what engraved means? It means carve out. That's how much God loves you. So every time he looks at his hands, he sees you. God loves you so much. Listen, if you could just feel this and eternalize this, you would be able to rest. The fact is we're not able to rest because we feel like we've got to prove things to somebody else when God is sitting on the throne room saying, hey, I love you. And that's what you need to internalize. If you want to rest, you've got to realize how much God loves you. Here's the second thing. You've got to enjoy what you already have. Come on, turn to somebody and say, hey, man, relax, relax, enjoy what you already have. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 13. All of us should enjoy what we work for. It is what? God's gift. It's God's gift. Listen, can you get so preoccupied with getting more that you don't enjoy what you already have? Absolutely. Can you get so caught up with that desire to acquire that you don't enjoy what you got in your garage right now? Absolutely. Can you get so busy trying to keep up with the Joneses and then when you do catch up with them, you realize they refinance? Amen. Can you do that? Absolutely. So listen, when you get so caught up in that desire to acquire, the people around you are the ones that suffer the most. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 6 says, It's better to have only a little with a peace of mind than be what? Busy all the time. I've never ever heard anybody on their deathbed say, Man, I wish I'd have spent more time at the office. I wish I would have spent more time trying to make more money and be more successful. I've never ever heard that. Listen to me. Let me help some of you right now. Tightwad. You're not going to take it with you. Come on. Yeah, give God a hand right there. You need that. 
You're not going to take it with you. Now, that don't mean spend everything you got. Amen. Unless you're going to write us a check. Amen. But anyway, you're not going to take it with you. Enjoy what you have while you have it. And stop worrying about getting more all the time. Turn to somebody and say, limit your labor. Limit your labor. What does that mean? That means you got to put some boundaries up. you got to put some roadblocks up. And you've got to decide realistically... How many hours am I willing to work? Every day, every week. How many hours, realistically, am I willing to work? How many hours am I willing to be away from God, to be away from my family, to be away from my friends, to be away from my fun? And you've got to stick to that. You've got to stick to it. Even if it means adjusting some element of your lifestyle to be able to accomplish it. I hear people all the time, they... They say this statement, I'm trying to save time. You ever heard of that before? I'm saving time. And so what do they do? On their day off, what do they do? They pop open the laptop. I'm going to just catch up on a few emails. Pick up the phone. I'm going to just catch up on a few texts. It's your day off. But I'm trying to save time. Can I help you with something? Can I help you with something real quick? The only thing you can do with time is spend it, not save it. The only thing you can do with time is spend it, not save it. Why? Every single one of us are given 1,440 minutes every day. You're not going to save up 30 minutes over here and carry it to the next day. No, brother. you got the same amount of time every single day. So the only thing you can do with time is spend it, not save it. So you've got to determine in your mind, in your heart, in your being, how much time am I going to spend with God? How much time am I going to spend with my family, with myself? How much time? And as long as you take that kind of approach to life, you're not going to get caught up in the trap. That trap that says, man, when the work's done, then, then yeah, I'll go be with my family. When the work's done, I can do this. Can I just help you with something? The work is never done. It's never done. So you've got to schedule time for green pastures and steel waters. Or the people that you care about, the people you're working the hardest for, guess what? They won't even know you. They won't even know who you are. You have to limit your labor. Why is that important? Because our best requires rest. Listen, you understand that you can get so many irons in the fire that you literally put the fire out. And you wake up one day and there's nothing inside of you. There's no passion. There's no desire. There's, all I want to do is just lay around, drink sun drop, and eat Twinkie all day. You know what I mean? It's that the fire has gone out in your soul. Have you ever met somebody that feels like the world rests on their shoulders? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he ain't talking about you. He's talking about me. The world rests on your shoulders. You ever met that person that just feels like, well... You know, if I don't show up, it's going to fall apart. If I don't show up to work, if I don't do this, it's not going to get done. Can I tell you a little something? Let me, let me help you guys watching online. The best day of my life was when I resigned as general manager of the universe. The second best day of my life was when I realized everything kept going. Amen? So you understand, it's not about you. It's not about you. And you have to understand that. You have to internalize that and, and hold on to that. You need time off. 
You need to relax. You need to rest. What does God say about all this? Exodus chapter 20, verse 9 and 10. What does he say? You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is to be a day of what? Come on, say that loud. To be a day of rest, dedicated to me. You know what God says? God says, hey, give me one out of seven. Like rest, relax. You understand, this is not the ten suggestions. This is the ten commandments. And it's interesting because when you look at the ten commandments, the first three commandments deal with our relationship with God. Six commandments deal with our relationship with one another. But what about the fourth commandment? Kind of leave that one out, don't we? Rest? Uh, take a day off? No. But you understand that that commandment is right up there with don't murder and don't steal. Listen, let me say something that's going to be really, really hard for you to grasp. There is no logical, biblical reason for you to honor one and dishonor the other. Quiet. There's no logical, biblical reason for you to honor one commandment and dishonor the other one. God is our shepherd. He knows how to care about us. And he has established boundaries in our lives to keep us fulfilled. To keep us having an abundant life. But here's what I always hear. Pastor, this is just temporary. You ever, you ever heard that before? This is just temporary. As soon as, soon as I get this bill paid, man, I'm going to rest. I'm going to relax. As soon as I get through with this degree, I'm going to rest and relax. As soon as I get this amount of money in my bank account... I'm going to rest and relax. Let me help you with something. Temporary solutions become permanent lifestyles. Where are y'all at today? Amen. Online is running laps. I see you right now. I see you. Amen. Temporary solutions become permanent lifestyles. Don't wait until conditions are right and circumstances work out and the economy and, and man, is the gas station going to have some gas? I don't know. Don't wait to all of that. Rest. Rest. Look at the verse again. The Lord is my shepherd. He does what? Makes me lie down. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are, yo. You're not. And you're going to burn yourself out really, really Quick, hear me today. God has given us all the time we need to do everything He's called us to do, and He built in the equation a day of rest. A day of rest. So if you stress to the max all the time and feel like you just can't get it done, guess what? You're taking responsibility for something God never called you to be responsible for. So you got to rest. So what do I do on my day of rest? What do I do on my day off? Let me give you just pop, 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 three points real quick. You got to rest your body. You got to rest your body. What does that mean? Listen, don't catch up on all the work that you've got to do. On your day off, rest your body. Rest your body. Rest your body. Turn to somebody and say, rest your body. The second thing you got to do is recharge your emotions. That doesn't mean you just sit back on the couch all day and binge watch Netflix. Amen. I see you. I know who you are. Amen. What does that mean? That means you got to do something that recharges you. I love to fish. I, that's, that's my hobby. My hobby is fishing, being one with the outdoors. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's what I love to do. I get recharged from that. What is it for you? I don't know. But whatever it is, 
get yourself recharged in your emotions, and then you got to refocus your spirit. The Bible calls it worship. You understand, we were made to worship and fellowship with God. And if you're not slowing down long enough to worship God, then you are missing one of the most important reasons why you were put on this earth, and that's to worship. But let's just be honest. Because the truth is, the busyness is not going to stop, so what do I do? Let me give you two quick things real quick. What do I do? you got to adjust your values. Can I just be honest with you and say this? You're not going to reduce the busyness in your life. You will never reduce the busyness in your life until you change what you consider to be important. One clap. Online is putting y'all to shame. They are running laps. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4. I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. Why? It's because they what? Envy the things their neighbor has. Remember them Joneses? They refied. You didn't know it. Amen? You're trying to keep up with them. So I have to be willing to stop and say, I'm not going to allow myself to get caught in this rat race, always trying to get more. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, What good is it? For somebody, a man, a woman, to gain the whole world and forfeit their own soul. Let me help you with something. Every time I make a commitment, every time I consider buying something, especially if there's debt involved in this, I have to ask myself a very important question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Why? Because every decision has a price tag on it. Every decision has a price tag. And so listen, you've got to learn to think through the choices you make in life biblically, according to the principle that God laid out in His Word. Because the only way you're going to lie down in green pastures and walk beside the still waters is if you make these right decisions. Pastor, you don't understand, man. I'm rolling in it right now. Like I'm making all the money. Life is good. Yeah, but are your kids getting what they need? Is your family getting, yeah, you're making money being gone 70, 80 hours a week. But what about your family? Well, I got a big house. Look at this, Pastor. Look at what I got. Nothing wrong with a big house. But do you have a home? There's a difference. You may be climbing the ladder of success two, three rungs at a time. But what's it costing you in your relationship with God, your family, your children, even you, turn to somebody and say, is it worth it? Is it worth it? You're going to wake up one day. I woke up the other day and I was dreaming about my youngest son, Aiden. I was dreaming about, he used to come sit in my lap, love on Ooh, come on, love on me. Just said, Daddy, I love you. Now he's nine years old and he's smacking his lip, rolling his eyes. Because you folks, amen, he's hanging out with you. But anyway, you realize one day you're going to wake up. My oldest son now, he's like, I'm like, dude, what, like overnight, what happened to you? You know, he, he's walking around the house with his shirt off, like all chiseled up. And I'm like, dude, are you on something? What's up? We need to talk. Have an intervention. No, you wake up one day and they're grown. Is it worth it? You may need to adjust your values. Here's the second thing. You have to be willing to exchange your pressure 
for God's peace. Exchange your pressure for God's peace. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are tired and have heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Rest. This scripture right here really gets to the root of stress and fatigue. And you understand there's, there's three types of fatigue in, in, in life. There's the physical fatigue. Come on, you ever been tired physically? Like muscles tired, joints are tired. What do you need? You need a good night's rest. I was tired yesterday. It's been a busy week. 8.30. I'm like, dude, I'm going to bed. Some of y'all like, you old. No, i just tired. I need some rest. Amen? So there's the physical fatigue. There's the emotional fatigue. You ever been tired in your feelings? Got this relational tension. You just feel lonely all the time. and Nobody's around you. Then there's the spiritual fatigue. You're tired in your spirit. And listen, man, I know you. I, I, you watch, I, know, I know who you are. You've been thinking the whole time I've been preaching, I just need a vacation, man. I need like three weeks in the Bahamas. Come on, just laid back, toes in the sand, bringing me lobster every day. Come on, I mean, woo, do you feel that? Listen, you understand you can do that. But when you get back from your vacation, all you've done is taken care of the first one. But you've done nothing to take care of the emotional and the physical fatigue. All you did was cloud it out with lobster. How do I get emotionally recharged? How do I get spiritually recharged? I've got to be willing to spend time with God. Constant. Spending time with God. You know what you need in your life? You need a pace setter. You need a pace setter. You need somebody to come in and they're not going to let you get too slow. They're not going to let you get too fast. They're going to keep you right on pace. See, all we want to do all the time is talk about sexy Steve, but nobody wants to talk about steady Eddie. Amen? Come on, how many of you know steady Eddie win the race? Every time. It's just doing it, doing it over. And over, setting that schedule, is it worth it? Man, the Haman, the Haman crowd, they got a side-by-side, big old tires, look like Knight Rider right now. I want one of them. <laughs> is it really worth it? You got like $30 in your bank account. You might want to reconsider that, amen? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Nothing wrong with side-by-side. Wish I had one. Y'all feel led to do that? That's up to you. You ever tried to, you ever tried to put a, a young child to bed? What they do? They get all upset with you, get mad with you. They're sitting there at the table, falling to sleep in their cornflakes, and they were and they stuff all down the chin. And you try to put them to bed. What do they do? No, 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 I'm good. I'm, I'm not tired. I'm good. Like, bro, you need a nap. No, I don't. Resistance to rest is a mark of immaturity. Resistance to rest is a mark of immaturity. You've got to be willing to have a pace setter in your life, someone to set the pace, and who better to set the pace of your life than the Lord? 
my shepherd who knows me inside and out. I have to be willing to exchange all of these pressures that I'm feeling for God's peace. When you start living for God, you understand it's the right way. It's the only way. It's the most relaxing way. It's the most fruitful way. It's the most healthy way. It's the most balanced way. I didn't say everything was going to be great. I didn't say everything was going to be groovy in your life. Because it's not. But in the midst of that storm. In the midst of all the chaos. And the anxiety. And the stress. In the midst of all of that. You've got a God that says. Hey. Come unto me. Come unto me. You're carrying a load. You're carrying a burden. You're trying to do something that I didn't call you to do. Hey, come to me. And I will give you rest. Turn to somebody and say, you need some rest. You need some rest. Need some rest. For years, I didn't get it. For years, I worked seven days a week. Because I had this mentality, Lord, I'd rather just burn out for you than rust out. And I hit a brick wall. Cholesterol jumped. Blood pressure jumped. Couldn't swallow my food. Blacking out. Went to the doctor. You've heard this before. Doctor says, hey man, you, you need to rest. You need to rest. There's no logical or biblical way that we honor one and dishonor the other. It's a rat race out there, right? And here's what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that now that you know that, that this virus is going away and life is kind of coming coming back to what would be a new normal, I guess. I'm seeing the rat race, that that wheel, I'm seeing it continuing to get faster and faster and faster. And I'm seeing more and more people continuing to get busier and busier and busier. There's nothing wrong with being busy. Again, sometimes you got to roll up your sleeves, but you need to make sure you're resting. You need to make sure you're taking at least one day a week to get rest in your body, in your mind, in your spirit. You need some rest. Or else you're not going to be any good to anybody, guys. Popular message? Nah, probably not. But it's a message we need. Because we love to just kind of sweep this one under the rug. What about that big sin? And what about that big sin? And this and that and the other. What about rest, brother? Last time you took a vacation with your family. And when you take vacation, don't take your laptop. Put your phone away. When Missy and I go out to eat, you know where my phone is? It's in the car. So if you try to call me, I ain't calling you. Until I get out of the the restaurant. (laughs) But while she and I are out to eat, we call it our date night. My babe and I are on that date. I don't need my phone. I don't need my laptop. I just need her. You know why? Because when I get old and laid up, y'all ain't coming to take care of me. Amen. But she better be there. Amen. Come on, somebody. She better be there. 
<clears throat> Stand with me all over the house. You need some rest. You can't save time, you can only spend it. You need to take that fourth commandment seriously, guys, and get you some rest. Doesn't mean that you're going, well, praise God, the pastor told me to rest. I'm going to take the rest of the month off. No. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. You need rest. So, Father, we thank you for moments like this. We, Lord, sometimes it's hard to come in and, and kind of chew on the word. It's hard. But Father, it's needed. Lord, right now, what we need more than anything is rest. And so, God, we just come to you and we open our hearts, we open our lives, and Lord, we just give ourselves to you today. We want to put you at the Lord of our life. We want to make you our Lord. We want to make you our shepherd. Guide, provide, correct, protect. That's what you do. And so, Lord, we give ourselves to you today. So with every head bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you a question. How many of you would be honest with yourself today and say, Pastor, man, I need some rest. Would you pray for me? Could you slip a hand up? Seize the hand. Seize the hands. Seize the hands all over the building. Need some rest. Father, in the name of Jesus, <clears throat> we are living in a chaotic and hectic world. We are living in a time where so many things bombard our minds, our spirits, our bodies. But Father, may we never forget to turn our hearts over to you, turn our lives over to you, to live with you, to serve you, to worship you with everything we've got. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, help us to internalize this fourth commandment. Help us to grab hold to it. Help us to ask ourselves some hard questions. Is it worth it? What's this going to cost me? Help us to go down that road to set up boundaries in our lives so that we can rest in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, Amen. Amen. Come on, guys. Give God a big hand clap of praise.